Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to another episode of the Giants huddle podcast. My name is John Schmelk. And don't forget the Giants huddle podcast is presented by PSENG, energy efficiency for game time and anytime. All right, folks, a three-part podcast as usual on our Friday. We're going to lead off with my interview with Giants wide receiver Richie James. Then we're going to have a Jeff Joniak Bears preview. He's the play-by-play man for the Bears on the radio with Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino. And finally, Bob Papa's weekly sit-down with Giants head coach Brian Dable. And before we get to those interviews, just very quickly, make sure you go back one episode on this podcast feed. I had a great interview with Daryl Johnston, now an analyst for Fox, former Cowboys fullback from the 90s, big rival with Giants. And he's doing the game for Fox on Sunday, Giants-Bears. He had the Giants in Week 2 against Carolina, so very familiar with the team. And Daryl Moose Johnson gives us some great insight on the Giants and the matchup on Sunday. But before we get going, folks, just remember the latest draft season podcast dropped late on Wednesday. Go back on your podcast feeds, search for draft season. Season, or find that on the Giants mobile app or Giants.com slash podcast. Dane Brugler from The Athletic joins myself, Eric Crocker, and Tony Pauline, and we talk about what's going on in the college football season as we try to keep up with everything so we're not starting from scratch when we hit NFL draft season, which usually begins in earnest after the NFL season. All right, let's get to our podcast today. We'll lead off with my one-on-one with Giants wide receiver, Richie James. How are you, man? Good to see you. Great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, let's start here. You lead the Giants in, in receptions right now. What has it been like trying to to build a chemistry with Daniel where you've become one of his most reliable go-to receivers? Oh, it's been good. Um, you know, just coming in every day. We're just working and building and just trying to get that chemistry going, like you said. What is it about working with Daniel in this offense specifically? I know the the slot guys can a lot of times have a lot of options on these routes depending on leverage and stuff like that, uh, where you've had to you know get on the same page in a limited amount of time. Um, it's been good. Um, you know he's smart, and you know I feel like I'm smart too. So uh, when you got two guys on the same page in this offense, it's, it can get some things going. Has it been difficult building chemistry, not with Daniel, but as a wide receiver group, given how many injuries you've had to deal with guys in and out of the lineup? What has it been like as a group just trying to build that chemistry between you guys together? Um, I think we still work. It's all the process regardless, um, you know, whether it's me or, you know, 
other guys. I think we all trying to build that chemistry with Daniel. Um, you know, it, it's hard when you're injured, you know, and, and the timing is different and, you know, trying to get back on that same page. But uh, like I said, it's a process. We, we're just going to continue to work on it every day. What's the key to being a good slot receiver in the NFL? Discipline. Um, Got to be smart. A lot of the decisions, uh, everything's happening fast in the slot, you know, versus when you're on the outside, you're on the island pretty much. But you, know, you got linebackers, you got safeties, you got nickel corners. So it's a lot going on. You got to, you know, you got to be smart and, and you know, find zones and, you know, sure. stuff like that. Without giving away state secrets, what's the process for you like when you line up, you're looking at the coverage pre-snap, then you start running your route, making that decision that's the right one based on the coverage you're seeing in terms of what kind of route you're going to run, but also making sure Daniel knows what decision you're going to make so he can time the route and the pattern right with you uh, when you're trying to execute the play. Um, you know, first you, you got to look at the safeties and see what they're doing. Are they, is it too high, one high, whatever that, whatever's going on? Uh, is it man or is it zone? What you know? So that's my process when I line up. And then it's okay. What do other guys around me have? What I can and I can't do? Um, how deep can I go on this route? How short can I go on this route? Um, you know, it's 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 a lot going on in my head. I can't really tell you exactly what's going on, but it's a lot going on. Like, all right, what, what's this guy doing? What he has he gotten beaten on this before? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's it's a lot of a lot going on. A lot going on on punt return too. A lot of decisions you have to make. Do you run up? Do you catch the ball? Do you fair catch it? Do you go? Uh, take us through that and and kind of what your process is once that ball in the air and you're deciding what to do on a punt return. Uh, first, I'm looking at the kicker or the punter and you know, see where he's going. You know whether it's is he's facing one way, he's going that way, or is he got a, a pull hook in his in, in his bag of tricks? So, sure. um, you know that's that's number one. And then I'm looking at the release of the gunners and see if they get a clean clean good release. And now I'm thinking, okay, how far this ball is going? You know, is it win? Where is it going at? Um, then I'm trying to get to a spot, but I'm still peeking at these gunners, like looking like, all right, well, okay, this guy's kind of close, and this guy, you know, he's far away, but. I'm aggressive, so I, I'm I'm willing to catch with somebody two yards in front of me. So, well, look, the rules are in place to protect right. you, right? So that, that's why they're there. But how much discipline does that take to a be willing to catch you, willing to you know take the hit, and also not peeking down while the ball's coming down because then you get muffs and there's no quicker way to get pulled from that job than like muffing punts, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's. I mean, it's. You gotta be, you gotta be a crazy sucker to do this job. You know, I'm That's not gonna lie. Yeah, it's, it's you gotta have a little, you know, a little psycho in you to to go out there on, on punt return or kick return. You know, just you know, you got guys flying down. Some of these guys, it's the only thing they do. So you gotta realize they want to make that play. So you know, it's yeah, you got a lot to think about when you're doing it back there. Does that crazy and psycho help you when you have to block these like 270 pound edge guys in the run game when you're playing slot receiver too? Um, I think that comes from you know just where the last place I was at, you know, just that physical, you know, run grimy stuff. So I'm, you know, that that kind of you know builds a little calluses in your your mind and your and your your body a little bit. If for the fans that don't know, you were with San Francisco, and they're the king of the outside zone. So as the slot guy, you were at the point of attack a lot of times in those plays, right? You're blocking DNs, linebackers, <laughs> and it's crazy out there, man. It's crazy. It's fun, though. What, what is it like blocking blocking for Saquon, who really looks like the old Saquon right now? Man, just just watching him run, how explosive he is and how fast he get up like on people, it's, it's pretty cool. Like, you know, just, I used to watch on TV, but it's different when you're sure. playing with him and you like on the field with him and how his energy like he was he's he a real leader like he he he's gonna lead you so he's gonna pick you up and tell you that you need to make a play so uh, i like watching him just watching him. i mean i can't watch him too much because that man i'm not doing my job <laughs> but i like to watching him you know 
<laughs> no, I hear you, man. Absolutely. Uh, let's talk about the Bears a little bit. When you take a look at their defense on tape, what do you see? Um, they're pretty. They're pretty sound. I mean, they, they still, you could tell they're still working through things. Um, they got young players. Uh, they got a, a mixed group, and it's, it's a small sample too. So you're not going to see it too much. Um, but we're just going to take you know, whatever they give us. Is it a lot of zone still? I know that's what Eberflus did in, in, in Indianapolis. A lot of too deep. Has he brought a lot of that to what he's doing in Chicago? Yeah, it's like it's it's a good amount of zone. They mix in man in there too. Uh, but it's it's a lot of zone going on. But you got to just you know you kind of got to find your space. What are things as a receiver when you see a team has a lot of young cornerbacks and they're rolling out a lot of young cornerbacks on that team? Um, what do you maybe do differently is the wrong way to ask it, but what are some of the things that maybe you can take advantage of when you're dealing with a young corner that doesn't have a ton of experience that's lining up across from you? And that just comes with just playing the game within the game. You know, knowing who you're going against is they're a young guy. They don't really know what to expect. And you hit them with stuff. Now you got them on their toes. Now they, now you, you know, now you're playing the game within the game. So mm-hmm. that's, that's really the biggest key, knowing that, that young player, what he hasn't even seen yet. And, you know, you're taking advantage of that. Speaking of game within the game, Eddie Jackson knows how to get after the football, right? He has two picks this year. He had a couple quiet years, but before then, one of the best ball hawks in football. What do you guys have to do to make sure he's not one step ahead of your offense trying to read some of your routes and passes to come up with some of those takeaways? I mean, I think it's, it goes to whole defense, not just, you know, one specific person. Um, but we we got to just be smart. You know, everybody, you know, players got to make plays and, Dane's gonna make plays, and the receivers gotta make plays, you know. And he's gonna get some, you know. He's a he's a good player, so we can't we can't you can't knock him for that. But you know, it's it's a it's a team game, so we ain't really focused on one player, you know. As as a, you say that. All right, I want to dig into your background a little bit here before we say goodbye. Twenty twenty one, tough season for you, knee injury, you had to sit out the whole year. What was that like for you, trying to bounce back from that? You know, because you were a seventh-round pick. You're from a small school. We'll get into that, too. A lot of times, a guy like that has a season-ending injury. It's tough to come back and find a roster and continue in the league. How did you stick with it and then, you know, find this opportunity this year with the Giants? Um, I had to, you know, dig deep because um, this is my first time playing or not playing for 20-some, you know, 20-some years and not in the league, obviously. But I played ball since I was five. So this is my first time sitting out a whole year. Uh, I had to dig deep. I'm not gonna lie. I had to dig deep and you know figure out you know who I wanted to be as a as an individual, and then you know if, if I can play again, who I'm gonna be as a player. And um, a lot of that just came from you know I was having a baby at the time, so oh, wow. that kept me motivated a little bit. And you know I shoot, just it works out how it works out, and, and now I'm here and I'm happy. What was that rehab process like trying to come back from that? Um, it was difficult for sure because I never had a, a knee injury, so. I never knew what to expect, but um, a lot of work, man. I didn't think that went into it, but it's a lot of work, man. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of taking care of your body that you know you think you have to, but you have to take care of your body and just be smart. What you put in your, what you put in your body, the fluid you're drinking, all these, this stuff that you really don't pay attention to that goes into getting back on the field and getting back to your normal self. How much did your path going to Middle Tennessee State, being a seventh-round pick? You know, you're not handed a roster spot in that situation. You got to earn that, right? You're not a first-round pick that they're giving stuff to you. How much did all that hard work to to earn your way onto the 49ers and, and be a you know a significant part of their team for a couple of years help continue to drive you and, and form your work ethic to to come back from that injury? Um, you know, just going to you know being drafted by that organization alone. You know, that's a top-tier organization. It's, it's only a few of them, but it's you know. Uh, just going to that organization alone and, 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 you know, having those guys trust me and for four years of just being a returner and wherever, you know, they implemented me into. Um, 
and just knowing that, I mean, they went to Super Bowl, well, went to Super Bowl at the time. So it was like one of those things where I know I can play. Yeah. I've been on the two, Super Bowl team. So, you know, it, it definitely helped a lot just thinking about, okay, I, I've been here before. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's the, the circumstances are different, but I've been here before. I was interested in the mindset, you know, as a guy who has to earn everything and, and you know, take everything, right? You know, it's not given to you, you got to take it. So what? How can? How do you describe your mindset in terms of, frankly, how you made it? Because making, you know, making in the NFL is really hard. I don't got to tell you. You know, what was your mindset to to get over that that hump and the ridge and 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 be a successful NFL player coming from Middle Tennessee State? Come from Middle Tennessee State, you know, it's a small school. That, 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 that's enough of itself. You, you get doubted every game, whether you're playing big school, small school. Like, you get doubted. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, I mean, I've always been in a situation where I wasn't highly recruited or even in high school. I wasn't. My, my coach, my, who's my, my guy, he told me, I don't know if he can run the 400, you know. And I ran the 400 really well. So, you know, you're going to be doubted regardless. And I was a small guy. So, I, you know, you got that, you know, that small man mentality like, man. Tired of everybody thinking I can't do this, but at the end of the day, you can do it. You know, it's, it's a mindset. Why'd you pick the Giants? Why'd you think it was is going to work out? And and did you somehow foresee what's going on now, where you're like the number one target all of a sudden? Uh, it's crazy because I, I believe in speaking things to existence, and um, I always told myself, even when I went to you know got drafted by San Fran, I told myself before that in high school I wanted to live in Cali. I lived in Cali, and before I got here, um, just crazy stories. I just be. I used to talk to some people, and I'm like, yeah, I'd love to go to New York in one day. I've never been in New York, never been in New York. And then, you know, there were one or two teams uh, that were like, oh, we want you here. And it was it was a first start for me, and I wanted to be around people I didn't know from San Fran. You know, just, I wanted to complete, you know, restart, and this is the perfect place to start. And nobody was here. Everybody was new. So that's how I chose the Giants, really. Yeah, but is there, I tried to find any. Did you have any connections to the coaching staff or anything like that? No, nah, the only thing I, I can think of is is if uh, maybe if Dave's was in uh, the Patriots at the time. I don't know. Then he know, you know, I don't know where I don't I don't know. You know, I really don't have no connections up here at all. So for, uh, you talk about speaking into existence. Was there anything from a football perspective, knowing that Kafka with the Chiefs and their offense, Dables, the Bills offense, did that play into any of it? Or was just just kind of like a gut feel for you that you thought this would be a good spot? Definitely wanted to go to offense where we, we were pass a lot. Um, and when I was training, now I think about it, when I was training um, in, uh, in Fort Worth, Texas at APEC, uh, Pat Mahomes is there and, you know, his, Bobby was there, Bobby Stroop. And uh, he was like, yeah, man, uh, Kafka used to be in um, Kansas City. I was like, oh, dang, I didn't know that. So it's like, man, you need to go there. Like, they're going to throw the ball. So I'm like, oh, really? Like, so I, when I got here, we started, I started seeing the offense. I'm like, oh, I like this. So that's really like a, a little bit like, uh, okay, I see where they're going with that because, you know, Pat was throwing it. You know, they're going, yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, oh, I want to be in that same system. You know? So that, Final question because you just brought it up. Why, when you saw what they want to do with the offense, you're like, oh, all right, this this could work for me. What is it that you really like about this offense? Man, any receiver love a passing offense. <laughs> any receiver, you ask any receiver, they're going to be like, yeah, I would, I'd rather be there than any kind of other offense. Yeah, we, throw it, we want to throw it first down, fourth down, want to go for it. Yeah, this is where I want to be at. You know, people call offenses quarterback-friendly sometimes. Is this a receiver-friendly offense, though, given how much they allow you to use your individual skills and, frankly, your brains to, to get open? Absolutely. It's both. I think it's a quarterback. and Any quarterback would want to be here. Any receiver would want to be here. Frankly, running backs would, too, because the running backs get used as a receiver just as much. So, you know, any offensive player, I would say, want to be here. Why is it receiver-friendly? 
I mean, how many receiver or offenses you will see that like you can you know decide what you want to do on a route? You don't get that too many places, so it's hard to stop that. You know, why you think Diggs was always open? Why you think all these guys are always open? Now, mind you, it's, it's scheme and you know plays. You know, playmakers. He's still a playmaker, but if you look at the scheme, like damn, these guys can always win. You can always win. It's friend. It's for you. You know what I'm saying? How's the baby, by the way? Congratulations. I appreciate it, and she's. She's a menace right now. She's trying to escape her. her she walking already? Uh, no, nah, she's crawling everywhere right now, and it's it's uh it's starting to get scary right now. <laughs> yeah, I have a five year old. I have a I have a five month year old at home as well. A five month old at home, where it's just, just you know, yeah, it's almost like they're actively trying to injure themselves at all times, isn't it? Absolutely. I, I called my daughter in the middle of the bed and the desk the other day chewing on my charger. So, <laughs> so seven months. There you go. That's what you're getting at seven months. You got to start baby proofing already, uh, huh? I, I thought I wasn't gonna have to, but I guess I do, huh? Yeah, dude. It goes fast too, man. Enjoy it because it only gets tougher. I heard. That's what that's what I'm hearing. Richie, good stuff, man. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you. Thank you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, Giant fans, don't miss the first Legacy game at MetLife Stadium on Sunday, October 2nd. The team will wear their throwback uniforms from the 80s and 90s as they host the Chicago Bears. The stadium will be branded in throwback designs, including the end zones appearing as they did in Super Bowl XXI, exclusive collectible pennant as a giveaway for the first 30,000 fans, entertainment and activations themed from that era, complimentary themed NFTs, and more. Limited tickets are available. Visit Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat today. Thank you to Richie James for joining us to lead off our podcast. Now, let's preview that game against the Chicago Bears. Lance Meadow and Paul DeTino talk to the voice of the Bears on the radio, Jeff Joniak. Giants wrap up a three-game homestand this Sunday when they host the Chicago Bears at MetLife Stadium, a matchup between a pair of two-and-one teams. This is actually the fifth consecutive season they're squaring off. To set the scene for Chicago, we are now joined by the radio play-by-play announcer for the Bears, Jeff Joniak. Jeff, you got Lance Meadow and Paul Dottino here on Giants.com. Greatly appreciate the time. Hope all is well. How's everything on your end? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Getting uh, ready for fall. Temperatures dropping over here in Chicago and ready to go to New York. Always love going to uh, MetLife for a Bears-Giants matchup. So looking forward to it. Absolutely. We are as well. And I want to start off in terms of a comparison, Jeff, between both of these teams, because it seems as if they're a bit of a mirror image of one another. You've got two teams that look like they're rolling on the ground. They've been able to run the ball for the most part effectively. It's the passing attack that is a completely different story, especially with Justin Fields only attempting 45 passes. So how fair of an assessment do you think that is that both Chicago and New York are certainly on the same stage where they want to play a little bit more balanced football and get those passing games at the level that the rushing attack is at this point. Hey, what if they're not? What, what if this is uh, the new wave for 2022 uh, with new regimes uh, in the front office and head coaching staffs that they just want to run the football old fashioned way? You know, I, I personally love it. I know this is a, a passing era, but I do love the old running style and the, and the ruggedness of it and the toughness of it. And that's part of uh, Matt Eberflus's theme is, and you got you to gotta play that way. You got to be tough. So 
I, I know that people are freaking out a little bit about the pass attempts and, and the wide disparity in run pass, but it's not going to stay that way. But the Bears are going to run the football. I believe the Giants want to run the football as well. And some of the best pieces offensively for each team is in that backfield. So uh, I could not believe it. At one point, I, I turned to my broadcast partner on Sunday, Tom Thayer. I said, my gosh, the Bears might run for 350 today. <laughs> and they got to 281 most since 1984 in a game that predates Tom Thayer's Super Bowl era team, which really ran the ball consistently and productively during his time at, at, at uh, right guard for the Super Bowl Bears. Well, Jeff, first, let me just say it is such a pleasure to have a run-loving announcer join our <laughs> cast because I, I really feel like I've been left out on an island for all of these years. So welcome. Welcome. My uh, pleasure. Please, I, I so, love it, too. My pleasure. And really. please come back every week, okay? <laughs> uh, well, uh, let's, let's, let's deal with, with Fields, though, before we do go to the run game, because obviously a very high-profile guy coming out of school. What has he done well? And I know there haven't been many things. And, and what is it that they realistically think that they might be able to polish up, especially given that he's only got a few days until this game is going to be played? Well, you know, the big thing is it's a small sample size. I know everybody's in a rush to judgment and a rush to have success with, with these young quarterbacks. But, you know, I'll just take this season and, and forget about last season for the moment. First game was a weather weather game plan, so it was going to be heavily tilted towards the run in the first place, and they won the game, and obviously it hasn't really changed that much. However, he's had pockets of success. You know, he's, he's in a chemistry situation trying to learn guys in a new system, so there's a lot of reasons to say, hey, you know, be, be patient, and, you know, it's going to be a minute. I mean, that's just the way it goes with young quarterbacks. Everybody knows it but everybody doesn't want to hear it. And, and honestly, uh, I don't blame the fans or, or the media for, for wanting that, but I don't, I, I can't realistically look at this as a football guy and uh, someone who's been a part of this, this team for 26 years and say, you know, everything's got to be just right right now. I, I understand the minimum number of attempts that has gone on. It's, it's the lowest by far in the league. They're at the bottom of the league in many offensive categories as they were a year ago. But he's got a lot of tools, so I will think that they'll continue to accentuate those, that mobility, uh, the movement in the pocket, find some clean windows. I think the biggest thing, Paul and Lance, is that, you know, quarterbacks got to find the layups. And there are layups that can get you in a rhythm, and I believe all passers are rhythm quarterbacks, and, and that just hasn't happened on a consistent basis yet. yet. Doesn't mean it can't happen at MetLife on Sunday at noon. Uh, but or one o'clock, I should say, uh, New York time. But uh, I just think there's there's plenty of time to sort this thing out. And I'm not giving up on this season or any other just yet on Justin Fields. Jeff, clearly quarterback play is synonymous with the play of the offensive line. And much like the Giants, the Bears offensive line has been put under the microscope, as you can attest to over the last few seasons. Some changes this year. You got a rookie left tackle Seems as if they're rotating right guard at this point, similar to what the Giants are doing at left guard. How is this unit coming together? And how much do you think, even though they've been running the ball effectively, as we discussed, that the offensive line trying to click is contributing 
to the ups and downs that they're having through the year with Justin Fields. Man, I got to tell you, it's it, to me, it was going to be the biggest story of the year, how the development of the offensive line, you know, in part, let, let's just assume for, for the sake of quarterback evaluation, it's always about the quarterback and, and every season is based on, especially a young one, how that person develops. But the others, the biggest story was going to be the offensive line. I mean, it's young. I, honestly, I, I am amazed at what the coaches have done to get a fifth round pick out of Southern Utah and Braxton Jones ready to start at left tackle and, and be good at it. I mean, he's a big dude with long arms. who's just learning how to use his length. You got another fifth rounder at right tackle. And that is Larry Borum, who was a, a heavy player at Missouri cut weight was a, was a revelation last year, getting a chance. And now has got that thing nailed down at right tackle and learning on the job. And then the right guard situation, Tevin Jenkins, who had never played it, started the season. Yes, he's rotating with Lucas Patrick, who was the um, going to be the penciled-in starter at center. And that has worked out nice as well. He's had a very good performance on the field. Patrick trying to get himself right after being injured for almost the entirety of training camp. And then Sam Mustafer, an undrafted Notre Dame center. Uh, Cody Whitehair has been the vet. He's the leader right there at left guard. He's been there a long time with his team. They're their most tenured offensive lineman at seven years in. But putting all that together is not a simple task. And uh, they've won two games with it. They are physical and they are really good run blockers. So, again, leaning on the strength, leaning into your strength of your football team at the moment until everything else settles down is not a bad way to go so far. And whoever comes out of this game, I know it's been remarked many times, uh, here in Chicago this week, one of these two teams, uh, barring uh, the unfortunate tie, will be three and one at the quarter pole. And I don't know that many would have thought that given what they're doing and what they're trying to do with new regimes. Well, given the requirements uh, of, of the winning team in this game, and Khalil Herbert is going to have to put up some big numbers again, like he did last week when he ran for over a buck 50 uh, against Houston. I know Montgomery's ankle injury is serious enough that he's probably going to miss at least a couple of weeks. So Herbert last year was a terrific kickoff returner and showed some things in his limited action. What can we expect to see from him? He's a good little back, man. Sixth rounder, tough as nails. Uh, last year when he was in for the injured David Montgomery, he led the NFC in rushing during those four weeks. So he, he put up with, that, with those four games and the 20-carry effort last week, uh, they got him the, uh, the the ground player of the week in the NFL. That's, uh, I think, 501 yards. He's averaging five points something a carry in those games when he's had you know the opportunity to get 18 or more carries. Uh, he's just a, a good leverage back. He's got a big burst. He's uh, tough to bring down, good contact balance. A lot of the things that David Montgomery has, uh, but he's got some home run hitter to him, and he, he showed that with a gaping hole for 52 yards uh, in that game last week against Houston. Uh, you know, all these guys got to be good pass protectors too and and be able to catch out of the backfield to, to help out their quarterback. And then those are things he does well as well. I think they got a nice one-two punch. Love David Montgomery as a fellow Iowa State alum. <laughs> I, I, I watched every single one of his carries. Uh, for the last uh, seven years. So gr great guy. And they both have the same kind of mentality. And uh, I love that about them. They just, they get no give up in them whatsoever. Love them. We're talking with Bears radio play-by-play announcer, Jeff Joniak, as we set the stage for the Bears and the Giants at MetLife Stadium on Sunday. Clearly the receiver numbers are down, Jeff, because 
your quarterback only attempted 45 passes, so it shouldn't surprise anybody that nobody's stats have jumped off the page. But you look at this group, Darnell Mooney had a career year last year, and it was interesting, Jeff. I was listening to Justin Fields talk to the media this week, and he said Darnell Mooney even came to him and said, listen, you can't force the ball to me. If you are not have anything down the field, then it's got to come naturally. I guess what I'm getting at is – how much, though, do you think Luke Getzey, the offensive coordinator, they need to find maybe other ways to get the ball in the hands of a playmaker like Moody to maybe help jumpstart this passing attack, even if it's not throwing bombs down the field to test the Giants secondary? You know, you're absolutely right. As I alluded to earlier, and you'll hear offensive coordinators and quarterback coaches say it all the time, you got to find completion. So however that may be, uh, that means, you know, not trying to force it into triple coverage or anything like that. And and it could be, you know, how creative these teams are, these offensive coordinators and and uh, Brian Dable in your, in your part and Luke Etsy here in Chicago uh, can get creative with it. Uh, but, you know, the timing's got to be there, even for the swing passes or the short passes. Those sometimes are the hardest to uh, complete for whatever reason. But again, if they can just find some completions and, you know, Darnell Mooney, I don't know if you heard about this at all, but I'm doing the post-game show interviewing uh, Matt Eberflus uh, from his office at Soldier Field. And we're up in the booth and all of a sudden I look and there's Darnell Mooney a good, you know, 30 minutes after the game coming out there in full uniform with the jugs gun and, and catching passes. I mean, he dropped two last week. He's only been targeted 11 times. A guy who had high aspirations for himself, high expectations out there grinding I loved it. I, I loved it. I mean, this is how much it means to him. So uh, there's there's going to be a different kind of Darnell Mooney out there on Sunday. I, I, I beg to uh, I beg to I beg to guess on that one. But it's not just him. You know, Equinemius St. Brown has been a nice player for the Bears. Knows the system. He's been getting involved. Cole Komet. I have high expectations for. I'm going to jump on the table for him. I think he's going to be an outstanding tight end by the time this season is over and a a breakout season. He started to have that in the final 10 games of last year. I mean, and, you know, keep using those backs as well to, to get the passing game until you can figure out uh, how to get that timing and continuity to have a traditional passing offense uh, and get things going. Jeff, let's flip it to defense. Uh, Roquan Smith was a big headline, obviously with his contract situation just a short time ago. And yet through these first three games, I mean, look at that production, especially against Houston with the 16 tackles. It does not look like it, it has impacted him at all. It absolutely has not, Paul. Uh, in fact, I just did a feature interview with Justin Jones, our three technique defensive tackle and a, and a new bear this year in free agency and said it's uh, been stuck. He, he brought it up on his own volition about how Roquan not at any point during this entire process and when he was not participating in training camp, ever acted any other way than just a great teammate. Smile on his face, uh, going about his business, and being a part of everything in that locker room. And I think it really made a huge impact. Uh, he is their best player. There's no question until further notice, it's Roquan Smith as the best player. Learning a new position in a 4-3 versus a 3-4 inside linebacker to weak side linebacker, a prominent piece in this particular scheme where things will flow to you and you're going to have an opportunity to make big plays. And he made a huge one, obviously, with the pick that set up the game-winning field goal on Sunday. Uh, <clears throat> I've always loved Roquan. I love his his mentality. He, too, is driven. He, he wants to be a special kind of player. And he's put up some special numbers. And he will get paid one way or another uh, in, in the months to come. But right now, 
he just loves being a bear linebacker. I know he had uh, he had dinner recently with Dick Butkus, who was in town. So uh, sharing sharing quotes and notes with Dick Butkus can't be a bad thing for a young linebacker. Not at all. It's never a bad thing to tap into the past, especially with those very stingy Bears defenses. And when you look at, speaking of the defensive scheme, Jeff, Matt Eberflus, what always stood out to me when he was the Indianapolis Colts defensive coordinator, especially last season, their ability to take away the football was probably a huge staple. And you look at the first three games, the Bears defense already has five takeaways. Granted, they had two interceptions in their win against the Houston Texans, and you referenced the Roquan Smith INT, which helped seal the win. How much do you think they're making progress in that department? I mean, granted, he's got different personnel, but that this is going to be something that could even do a lot of the heavy lifting and help out the offense in changing field position because of the Bears' ability to take away the football. Well, I've been here when Lovey Smith had the same kind of scheme, same kind sure. of system, same kind of idea. And, you know, you hear coaches talk about, we got to take the ball away. we got to take the ball away. got to take the ball away. And, and Lovey put teeth into it. It was not just lip service. It became an obsession. This is the same thing. It is an absolute obsession. It's discussed every single snap, every single play, every single day. It's an expectation in practice and on the field. And you still got to make the plays. But if you're playing hard in the way they want to, in the way they grade it, they grade it extremely hard uh, from a loaf system to, yeah, you, you name it. There's a lot of isms uh, that Matt Eberflus has come up with uh, through the course of uh, our introduction to him so far as a head coach. But it, it, it is not tolerated if you're not running the, to the football and given your full effort on every single snap, even in practice, that you're going to find that uh, – you're going to get the ball. I, I even mentioned to Eberflus, I said, you know, there's a little luck involved. And he goes, yeah, I, I don't really look at it that way. So we, <laughs> that ball bounces funny sometimes. But it's amazing when you you really, it's it's a preach point of a, everybody. Every team wants to take the ball away. So everybody can say they want it, but it's hard to do consistently. And uh, I'll tell you, I, I don't know where it's going to wind up, but it's not for a lack of effort. That's for sure. Uh, I thought it was funny this week. You know, because the Bears have, I think, six forced fumbles, but they've only covered a few of them. And it's a it's a point of emphasis. Right. So he called them uh, there. There are country fumbles and city fumbles. And he didn't get into great detail, but you can assume city is more traffic and country You're out on an open road just by yourself and got to scoop and scoop up the football. So any way they can get it hammered into the head of these guys, uh, taking the ball away certainly is uh, a big key to winning football. Jeff, only having watched limited film on the Bears, and I, I do want to watch more before kickoff, it does look like Kyler Gordon, the rookie, has been picked on, but yet Eddie Jackson, who you mentioned uh, turnovers a moment ago, he, he over his career has been a big part of key turnovers. Obviously, he's got a couple of picks. I wonder if you could specifically comment on those two players. All right, we'll start with Kyler. Uh, Love the pick out of Washington. He's a feisty, uh, really gifted athlete and uh, not afraid to, to stick his nose in there. He's learning two positions, outside and nickel. So he's their number one nickel. But, yeah, uh, it started with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers did target him a lot, and and he'll do that to a lot of young cornerbacks. Um, so it, it was a baptism up at Lambeau Field. <clears throat> Pardon me. No, no question about it. But – he still is making plays. Uh, he broke up a touchdown pass uh, in that game, and it kept – it was a big one. I mean, it, it kept it within reach 
and things could have changed if the Bears uh, punched it in uh, on a goal line stand that Green Bay put together. I'm not saying they would have won, but it made it made a look, different outlook to it. Um, and he's uh, he's essential in the run defense as well. So he's he's really athletic. Almost had himself a pick last week, breaking on a little flat pass uh, for a flanker screen, but uh, a little smoke route there. <clears throat> but I I think he's going to be okay. It's never been too big for him. He was really the penciled-in starter oh, the, the moment he set foot in the building. Uh, he's a bright guy, and, uh, you know, he's going to play himself out of any any issues. Keep targeting at him at some point. When these young players are targeted, they're going to make a few plays and, and turn the tide a little bit. Love Eddie Jackson. He's gone through a lot of personal um, issues here the last couple of years that uh, I did a long feature with him that kind of brought that to light. And so um, – you know, sometimes hard for players to to uh, separate uh, the responsibility of being there every Sunday and getting your mind right at the same time. So, you know, it was 31 games between interceptions from 2019, the last game of the year against Minnesota, to uh, that week one pick against San Francisco. So I think he feels he's in the best shape of his career. He's mentally, physically and spiritually in a right place. And, and he has to be because uh, he's the post safety but he's the leader in a very young secondary that last week had three rookies in there. So they need his leadership and his guidance and his ability to, uh, to make things happen on the back end. Jeff, speaking of the young secondary, I want to piggyback off of your point because one name that we didn't bring up yet is Jalen Johnson. And you could argue since he was drafted in 2020, he's developed into really the top corner on the team. Unfortunately, he didn't play last week. His absence and obviously his questionable status, I'm sure entering this week, how have they had to navigate making up for him and how significant of a loss has that been in the early stages for the secondary? Well, you know, he's your number one corner. So that's always a significant thing. And they, they weren't, nobody's throwing at him. Uh, I think it's 61 pass attempts and no targets in his direction uh, dating back to last season. So they're working on these young bucks and they're, you know, as I said, there were three rookies in there last Sunday, Jalen Jones, an undrafted rookie out of Mississippi got in there uh, a big uh, lengthy corner with some wheels uh, Jaquan Brisker is the is the safety pairing with Eddie Jackson out of Penn State, also a second round pick like Gordon, and a really feisty player as well. loves loves to hit, and there's high expectations for him too. So, yeah, I mean, you want to have your guys. You only have so many quality corners. Uh, Kendall Vildor is is getting a lot of playing time, and he had a good game last week. So, those are the directions you got to lean in. Uh, I'll tell you this: Matt Eberflus is not afraid to play young players. We got 16 rookies. Uh, maybe 17 that have actually gotten on the field. If you count special teams already this year, most in the league, and he's definitely going to trust these young players to grow and develop. Jeff, let me go to the pass rush. Robert Quinn had that uh, team record 18 and a half sacks last year. And now as I look at his stat line, I'm seeing one quarterback hit over the first three weeks of the season. How surprising is that? Is it much of an alarm right now for this defense? No, no alarm. I mean, he's one of the best pass rushers uh, of all time. And uh, th those come in droves for, for a guy like that. Yes, he had an unbelievable year last year. I think all but three games he had a sack. So, you know, working in a new system, back to his comfort zone of putting his hand in the dirt and going to get the quarterback. He's uh, unique in terms of his ankle flexion and bendability to get to the quarterback. He, he, he makes some really good moves, but it's opened things up for, for some other players as well. Young players, Dominique Robinson and Travis Gibson have had two sack games in, in each case. And uh, last week, Justin Jones had himself a sack. So I, I think he'll be fine. 
Uh, he's, he's gone up against uh, a variety of different left tackles here. There's some young buck, and you guys got one as well, a, a great one there at left tackle that he'll be uh, trying to, to get to put a dent into. But he's a, he's a leader, captain also on this team. People love what he does uh, on a very young team, one of the youngest in the NFL. He's the gray beard on this football team. But, yeah, they'd, let, they'd like to get the pass rush cooked up. They don't blitz a bunch. And, uh, obviously, pressure breaks pipes. I could not believe what I saw. Daniel Jones, every every second he was running around uh, back there last uh, last Monday night uh, with all those pressures. Uh, so Bears will try to try to focus on doing the same. Yeah, you figure that'll be certainly a huge storyline to watch, especially against the Giants interior line, which you were hitting on that struggled against the Cowboys. Jeff, last one for me. Special teams has been a bit of a topic of talk in Chicago, as you know, with respect to the kicking game and other aspects. How much has Cairo Santos, I know he's off to a fairly good start, stabilized things for the most part, especially since, let's face it, the Bears like the Giants have been playing a lot of close games in the early stretch of this season. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the name of the game in today's NFL. I think they set a record for uh, how many games so far decided uh, by uh, one score or less in the opening weeks of the season. But yeah, Cairo's absolutely automatic he made all five of his kicks on Sunday. Soldier Field, not an easy place. And certainly when you got uh, sure. puddles of water on the field for week <laughs> one, that was quite the challenge. So there were two missed extra points in that game. But he's become uh, a guy that nobody really talks about. And I think that's the best thing you could say about a, a kicker right now in this league because it's it, it fluctuates. And he went through um, some tough times in his career with uh, Kansas City and other stops. But since coming to the Bears, you know, he had a streak of, I think, 40 in a row, uh, dating from one year to the next last year. And he's, he's come in strong again. And yeah, I have no no worries at all about Cairo Santos. Got a new punter, Trenton Gill, uh, had a really good punter, in my opinion, and, and Patrick O'Donnell. And he happened to be the special teams player of the week this week up there in Green Bay. He went to the other side, guys. Other side, Pat. <laughs> you know, you got to go where the money is. And uh, <laughs> just a terrific guy. But we got a punter, a young man out of, NC State, and uh, he's got a big leg. He's done a really nice job so far. And even though, you know, Roquan makes that pick, it's it's four kneel downs basically to get on the left hash and kick the game winner last week from 30. You got a brand new punter and holder, you know, in the in the in the end of a game like that. You never know, all right? And the pressure hits everybody differently. But you know that that's been good too. It's been a smooth operation. So return game, uh, looking at you know variety of options there. I know. Um, Bayless Jones Jr. is somebody they'd like to look at in the return game, but he has not been able to play just yet due to a hamstring getting closer. Not, not sure what his status will be for Sunday. And they got another rookie back there returning kicks from Baylor and Tristan Ebner. So, again, emphasis on young. Special teams unit dotted with young players. To your point, at least Luke Getze and Lucas Patrick, Jeff, chose the right side. They came yes. over from the dark side. So and the balance is out. Yeah, and Equiminius St. Brown. Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. exactly. Another one. This <laughs> little short trip. Heck, Lucas Patrick said he used to come to Chicago on weekends anyway when he had the bye week and long weekends there. So he, he enjoyed Chicago. So why not? There you go. So those three guys at least finally solved that riddle. It is Jeff <laughs> Jodiak, Bears radio play-by-play announcer, setting the stage for the Bears and the Giants on Sunday. Jeff, always good catching up with you. Greatly appreciate the time of the insight. And we look forward to seeing you in East Rutherford, New Jersey this weekend. All right, we'll, we'll be Jeff. there. Very good. Thanks, Paul and Lance. Good to talk to you guys. Good luck the rest of the season. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. The Giants' official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV, brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. Great look at the Bears from Jeff Joniak, the voice of the Bears on the radio. And now we'll wrap up our Friday podcast like we do every week. Our very own Bob Papa, the voice of the Giants, had a chance to talk to Giants head coach Brian Dable. The Giants take on the Chicago Bears, a battle of two and one teams, storied rivalry, the Giants and Bears. And as always, we're joined by the head coach of the New York football Giants, Brian Dable. And coach, before we get on to the game this week, just talk about the way your team responded during the week after suffering the first loss of the season in a hard-fought game against the Cowboys. Yeah, I think that's the job of myself and the coaches is to be consistent regardless of results. Uh, the players know what is expected of them throughout the week and how we're going to prepare. And, uh, you know, you fix a few things that you need to fix, uh, whether you win or whether you lose, and, and you move on uh, with a positive mindset and, uh, you know, the ability to get to, to get to the next team quickly. Coach, um, obviously Saquon Barkley is off to a great start, leads the league in yards from scrimmage. Um, last year he only had one game of 70 or more rushing yards. That came against the Bears, ironically, in Chicago. This year all three games consistent, making big plays for you. Just talk about the way he's sort of embraced what's going on and the leadership that he's shown uh, with this football team. Yeah, he's been great. You know, I think you can go back to – all the interviews I've done since I've been here in OTAs and you know it really started back in OTAs with him and I think just trying to build his confidence uh, is important on our end and you know as he goes out there and he performs the task we ask him to do I think his confidence improved on his end but uh, you could see it as soon as you got out there the talent that this this guy had um, you know quick powerful explosive uh, can run routes has good hands and uh, I think that you know that went right into training camp, and you, and you saw that. And I think all his hard work and his dedication and his mindset have been a huge asset for us. Now we fast forward to this week's game, right? you got the Bears coming in, and you know they run the football. Last week they did a tremendous job on the ground and beating the Texans. Um, you know They're averaging 187 yards rushing per game. Is it what they do a lot scheme-wise, or is it just something where they are executing at a high level and they're just whipping the guy in front of them? Well, I think it's probably a combination of both. Um, they have very good runners. Their line's been doing a good job of getting a hat for a hat, and they've been breaking some big ones. Um, you know, that's a identity, I think, the, of their football team is to be tough and be able to run the ball. And, uh, you know, they've, they've bought into what Coach Eberflus is, is teaching. Uh, and explosive plays. Uh, you guys this season have three runs of 20 or more yards. They have five of 20 or more yards. So it, chunk plays are something that uh, you know you talk about. And methodically going down the field is great. But in order to be able to score consistently, you need some of these chunk-type plays, don't you? Absolutely. Uh, the, the odds of, of scoring touchdowns or getting points when you have a chunk play dramatically increases. 
Uh, and in the running game, you know, it's it's usually a result of, of a running back making somebody miss or a missed tackle uh, where they take it, you know, for a, a long play. Uh, there, there's going to be some holes that open up that, you know, the first three or four or five yards might be might be clean sailing, and then all of a sudden there's a few guys, and if you can make those guys miss, that's that's usually how big runs happen in this league. When you look at your passing game, Coach, you only have one pass play of over 30 yards. That was Shep's 65-yard touchdown uh, in the game against uh, Tennessee in week one. Uh, some coaches that I've been around, not just in football, but when I was working in the NBA, uh, they – some guys have the always are kind of complaining about what a guy what what this guy can't do. You come from the school of you always talk about positives of you know hey what guys can do. When you look back at some of the things that you're lacking in your passing game, do you do you take the positives of hey we've had some plays there. It's either a protection broke down or a ball was dropped or. But we're getting to it. Now we just have to be more consistent, and there's a positive feeling despite the fact that the numbers aren't where you want it to be. Absolutely. I think the, you know, the challenging part of, of being a coach is you know, coming in from, from a loss and overreacting, and that's not what we're going to do here. Uh, there's a lot of things that are done the way we want them, and the result right now might not be what we want. But I think you show them things that, hey, these have looked good, if we get into this situation next time, let's make sure we do this a little better or have our eyes over here or finish on a play. Uh, but that's, you know, that's how we approach it. The other component of this, Coach, is special teams, right? I mean, um, whether it's a, a kick that's made or, or creating field position. Hey, let's face it, the Cowboys had a score in the game the other night that was set up strictly via special teams. Um, talk about the emphasis that you've put on that as far as not only being sound on your special teams, but also trying to turn it into an advantage. Yeah, I think you know we've made some plays the first two weeks. We, we got the ball on a muff punt. We went down there on the first kickoff of the Carolina game and caused a fumble that we returned. Uh, but we're we're you know we're keep we'll keep on working and improving and and eliminating some of these big plays that look that's complimentary football. You know you, you kick the ball off, you tackle them inside the twenty. Our defense goes out. They get a three and out. We get good field position. You know that's team football, and you know we work on that every week. And special teams is a critical element to that. Coach, the other thing too is creating opportunities. Um, you guys have forced three fumbles and recovered three opponents' fumbles. Two of them have come on specials. Um, one on defense. How do you increase the turnover productivity from the defensive unit? Yeah, we we talk about it every day. Uh, probably the first thing we talk about in our meetings um, from Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, or Monday, should I say? And you know, we work on it every day in practice. We do drills, and I think that's just you know being diligent as a as a player um, in terms of practicing it the right way, which we have been. Uh, they just haven't come yet, so. Uh, we get, we can't get discouraged. We got to have eleven hats to the ball. We got to rip and strip and and target our guys that we think you know are a little bit loose on ball security and um, you know stay at it. Final question, Coach. Uh, obviously, uh, Kayvon and Aziz returned last week. They worked really hard to come back from their injuries to get on the field. Um, not easy. You said they were on a pitch count. Are you seeing more and more from them where their roles can be expanded a bit? Yeah, I think. Look, these guys have worked extremely hard to get back. 
they played you know a select amount of plays last game and and hopefully we'll see them play a little bit more this game uh, again the the players safety and you know well-being not just from game to game but for the season is very important to us and you know we're trying to do right by them coach we appreciate a couple of minutes best of luck this afternoon as you try to wrap up this homestand you don't really say that in football that much a homestand <laughs> but you had three in a row it's almost like uh baseball has it been fun being at home for a little bit oh absolutely i mean last week's uh, atmosphere and, and the, you know the first game against carolina just it's been electric here. Um, wish we could have had a different result last week, uh, but the the fan base, the support, um, how they have been during the games has really, you know, created an advantage for us on the defensive side of the ball. With uh, they're cheering, they're yelling, um, and we need to do a good job of of doing things that you know keep those guys going because you know it's very very helpful uh, as a home team when you have a crowd like that. Coach, we appreciate the time as always. Best of luck. All right, thanks, Bob. We thank Brian Dable, we thank Jeff Joniak, and we thank Richie James for joining us on this edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast as the Giants get ready to take on the Bears at MetLife Stadium on Sunday at 1 o'clock. They try to bounce back from that loss against the Cowboys on Monday Night Football in Week 3, but the Giants still 2-1. and one. Bears 2-1 and one should be a fun game. Hope we see you guys out there at MetLife Stadium. Thank you, everyone, for joining us, but remember, go back one episode on the Giants Huddle Podcast feed. Check out that Daryl Johnston interview. It's a great interview. Check it out. It's on YouTube, podcast channels, Giants.com, Giants app, and go to that separate podcast feed for draft season. That last episode posted this week as well. Dane Brugler joins the show again to talk about some of the college prospects that are making noise heading into the NFL draft in 2023. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.